Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a Priest and Rabbi podcast. My name is Father Christian. I'm the priest part of this. Next to me is the rabbi part of this is Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Beth Hayam. He is the better half of the show. He is the original half of the show. He is the OG, the, the, the Jewish part. Yeah, so we're going to go back to the OG today because today we're talking about Pentecost. It is a big deal for, 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 for Christians, definitely liturgical and historical-based Christians, where we actually create these feasts of Pentecost that happen. And there's different colors that we use, and um, we change the liturgy up. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of a big deal. Uh, and But it's not our deal. We, we This deal comes straight from Jewish tradition, straight from a Jewish feast. And there's a reason why God chose this day to reveal. We're going to get all into that. Um, so Rabbi, you're going to be talking about what is Pentecost, or shall we say another word that you would use for Pentecost? Yeah, so we, we're, we're going to use the word uh, and the festival on the holiday called Shavuot. It's a festival of weeks, seven weeks, 49 days, 50 days from Passover to when we got God's law, the commandments, structure. So now that's coming your way. You're going to get a background of what does Pentecost mean for the Jewish tradition, why that, how that worked for the Christian tradition uh, on, during that time in Acts, which we have the Holy Spirit given to the church. We're going to parse out what does it really mean to receive the Holy Spirit and to have spiritual gifts? What does that mean from a Jewish perspective, from a Christian perspective? Can you even say Holy Spirit in the Jewish perspective? Uh, that's all coming your way. Um, right here on a priest and a rabbi please subscribe uh, and then follow us also on facebook we have a uh, facebook page and you can put questions on there saying you know rabbi durbin i want to know more about this or father christian will you please just shut up and allow rabbi durbin to talk more all those things you can do on our page but we do have our filter on there so if you say something weird it probably won't go up um, all right y'all god bless you we love you stay tuned for another episode of a priest and a rabbi A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Beit Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, Grab your Bible or a Torah and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. Hello, good morning, everybody. This is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida, though this is a radio show and I'm not inside the church. I'm somewhere else speaking my own thoughts, so don't hold St. Mary's accountable, but someone you might hold accountable for everything that I say because he inspires me in everything that I do. He is my rabbi. He is a rabbi, Matthew Durbin from Temple Beth Hayam. Yo, rabbi, good morning, and let's get ready for another show. I think our 138th or something. Yeah, it's been, you know, uh, just to do a, do a little debrief uh, about this week. Uh, this week, for those that, um, well, obviously, none of you know, um, it's been a great week for, for me. Uh, hopefully, it's been a great week for you. Uh, my week really started to be uh, incredible when you and I were contacted by Kiwanis uh, to be able to do a uh, priest and a rabbi kind of get together, get to know one another type stuff. Um and it was great. It was great to see you in person. It was great to have the banter backwards and forwards. 
and really just to be amongst a, you know a space where we could we could learn about one another. It was great. It was great to yeah, see. Yeah, we were in a, a vaccinated room. I think there were all vaccinated voices inside this. Uh, was that was weird? It was weird to be inside a small little room enclosed, but everyone was vaccinated. And we uh, were with Kiwanis, who does great things for the kids of Martin County. Um, and then we got asked to come in and talk about prayer. So they, believe it or not, y'all, this radio show, A Priest and a Rabbi, and our podcast, by the way, um, please subscribe to that, has uh, allowed Rabbi and I to do speaking engagements at churches uh, and, and different organizations like Kiwanis Club. And so we get to come in and, and talk about stuff. Now, Rabbi and I will be back together next weekend as we will be both speaking at the baccalaureate in um, over at the United Methodist Church. So the baccalaureate is the... How do you explain the baccalaureate? I, I, this is a new thing to me when I came here to Stewart. Well, um, um, look, I agree with you. I mean, I had never experienced it before coming down here to Florida. My understanding with the baccalaureate is that it's a slightly religious ceremony in some way. I mean, held in the church, um, you know, the bunch of, of uh, biblical readings that students get to uh, experience. It's a short little ceremony, about an hour, uh, but really recognizing you know, recognizing to our graduates the the work and the you know the dedication that they've done and um, done through uh, clergy and other members of the wider community. I think that was an incredible, incredible summary of what it is. And almost like you and I rehearsed that, but we didn't. All right. But I well, also love how how in the past when we've done the baccalaureate that they tend to sit you and I right next to one another. Uh, the secret's out, dude. They know we're buddies. They know we get along well. Um, all right, y'all. So today uh, we're taking on Pentecost. Um, and uh, Pentecost, so I don't know if you, I'm Episcopalian, but you might be non-denominational Christian, Catholic, Lutheran. You're probably hopefully familiar with this name, the day, the birthday of the church, the day the Holy Spirit was gifted to the church. But it is not a monopolized term by the Christians. It is started and um, was on a Jewish holiday, a Jewish feast. Um, that's when the day of Pentecost for Christians happened because many of the first believers were what? Wait for it, Jews. Okay, so we have to go back. So today we're gonna talk about what is the background of Pentecost? Um, and then we gotta ask like, so what does that mean in a Jewish context? Because all the first believers of Christianity were, of Jesus were Jews. But then also, um, what about the Holy Spirit? And do Jews believe in the Holy Spirit or the Spirit? Or so we're gonna we're gonna parse around that. And then um, Rabbi is gonna do something at the end where he is gonna see if he could convert me to Judaism. And then if that works, then we change the show to a Rabbi and a student. But then the next week I come back and then I try to convert him. And then it would be a priest and a Jew for Jesus. So that's an exciting show. That's a lot going on there, Rabbi. What do you think? That's, uh, that, that's quite a lineup. It's quite, quite a lineup. lineup. Okay, so guys, if you're in your car, but you get home later on, you can always go onto our Facebook page, which is a priest and a rabbi podcast where we live stream. There's people online right now watching who you can leave comments and make fun of us. That's fine. Uh, just as long as you feed our analytics, we're all good with it. Um, so uh, Rabbi Durbin, we need to start with you because we always start with the Jews because you guys are the OG. You started this whole thing. Um, Christians, or at least a lot of liturgical Christians, get really into this big feast day. Eastern Orthodox, Episcopalians, Anglicans, Catholics, Lutherans, uh, Methodists, throw them into the mix. Uh, Pentecost, big day for us, the, the birthday of the church. Uh, and uh, but But it is by nature grounded in Jewish 
tradition and Jewish feast. Can you give us a background of what the heck Pentecost means to you? So, so I think, I think, as you said before, we have to parse it out, right? We have to parse out that word, Pentecost, right? What does that word even mean, right? As Jews, you know, we don't really subscribe to the terminology Pentecost. We call Shavuot, but the names in and of itself are quite telling of what they represent, right? Pentecost, uh, and, and I could be wrong, I believe comes out of the Greek, um, being penta, being something to do with numerical value of 550, right? And, and Pentecost is the 50 days from, and again, you are probably more well-versed of this than I, but the 50 days leading from Easter to Pentecost, right? Those 50 days. As Jews, we have uh, what we call one of our Shalosh Regalim, our three major, major pilgrim festivals. And it starts with Passover. 49 days later, we count from Passover, 49 days, Shavuot, a festival of weeks. It's seven weeks, seven times seven days a week equal 49 days. And on the 50th day, we celebrate not only the greatest gift that God gave us, the gift of Torah, we, 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 we have this great celebration of receiving God's law, receiving the Ten Commandments, receiving the Torah, uh, and really giving us, you know, in some spiritual sense, um, you know, like a permanent home. You know, we, we, we went from slavery towards freedom and redemption, a land that was not our own to a land that was moving into the land of Israel. Uh, and then, of course, you know, this, this, this understanding of, of giving of ourselves to God. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, the, the similarities. I mean, you guys have 50 days. Uh, so do we. We have 50 days, which will come in on May 16th. Uh, in the evening will be Shavuot, uh, ends on the 18th. So just uh, a, a way, an interesting connection. Well, yeah, it, it makes complete sense because it's the festival week. So the if the church is going to say, or if God's going to say, I want to get all the believers together and make this big revelation of this Holy Spirit that's going to come and be with you. So Jesus talks about this. And then uh, Peter later um, says, this is going back to Joel, when Joel says, the prophet Joel, that uh, your, your sons, sons will speak in tongues and the spirit will come upon them. Uh, this is the day, and Jesus always talked about, I'm going to send you an advocate. I'm going to send you a spirit. So don't worry. Like in John 14, people are all freaked out. Like, oh, you're going to leave us. You're going to leave us. He said, hey, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, the, an advocate will be coming for you. So if for that revelation to happen, it would have to happen on a big festival day to get the biggest bang for your buck. And God is, uh, God's economy is always right on the money. So you have all of these Jews here, festival weeks, they're in, they're, they're, they're in town. Uh, so you have the apostles, the disciples, and, and other believers, and they're all in from other countries, right? So, so tell me, if, so back in the day, if we're talking, you know, first century uh, Palestine, that you would you would have a collection of Jews there, and would it be that kind of festival that would bring in people of different languages to all come towards Jerusalem and say, let's all show up? Yeah. So, so that's the absolutely. background. I mean, it, it, it absolutely. You know, when we talk about the three pilgrim festivals in Judaism. Passover, Shavuot, and then after, of course, Yom Kippur, we get Sukkot. Those three pilgrim festivals traditionally have been when Jews congregate really almost around the world and flock to Jerusalem 
in order to uh, to pray. And you know, I should also say that majority, if not all, of our festivals and holidays, um, <coughs> although are linked to life cycle events and to other other things, they've always been linked to agricultural harvest. So, so clearly for Shavuot, excuse me, uh, Shavuot has always been linked to this notion of marking a wheat festival, a wheat harvest in the land of Israel. Um, but again, it's been marked by giving of the Torah, uh, you know, uh, giving us God's law, the oral tradition, all passed down on Mount Sinai uh, uh, from God to Moses. So if you're yeah. saying that Shuvot is not for people who uh, have the gluten um, allergy, because they wouldn't be celebrating the wheat, so then they couldn't go to celebrate Shuvot. Yep, absolutely. And look, I mean, you know, Shuvot today is marked by uh, dairy, right? We eat like a ton of blintzes you know, lots of ice cream, you know, that type of stuff to kind of mark the, the festival and the holiday in and of itself. It, it's it's in, 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 in Jewish circles, it is a major festival. Uh, in some communities, it's not well regarded or well celebrated. Um, because you know, it's, a, it's an interesting. But why, but why, why would some Jewish circles not celebrate? I mean, you said this is a principal feast. These are one of the three feasts where people flock to Jerusalem. And so, so why would some Jewish circles not? I mean, I think they would, and they would mark it, and they would they would honor it in some way. I think you know, depending on the congregation or the community, you know, depending on whatever celebrations one is doing, you know, uh, Shavuot has always been marked, at least for the last 150 years, has always also been marked with what we call confirmation, right? Which is a little bit different than what you guys consider confirmation. What we consider uh, confirmation uh, all extends back to you know, roughly around 1850. Uh, with a bunch of women of a sisterhood organization. And, you know, we could argue whether it happened in New York or in the Carolinas, but let's take New York as an example. In 1850, give or take, um, a bunch of women of a sisterhood of a congregation called Congregation Emmanuel on Fifth Avenue, New York City, uh, recognized that when their sons became bar mitzvah, there was no additional further Jewish education for our kids. It really was almost the entryway out of Judaism. After you became bar mitzvah, what was the point of, you know, uh, further, further, you know, furthering yourself Judaically? And, uh, you know, these, these women of this sisterhood organization really pushed um, and wanted more for their sons and for their community. And they started- Does this have anything to do with Shuflo? Yes, because what happened is that um, they started- further Jewish uh, education that lasted until the kids were 16. So it was additional it, it was additional learning and study opportunities. Shavuot, because we were given the law, we were given the Torah, we were given the blueprint of how to live our lives, um, has always been marked at least for the last 100, 150 years. On Shavuot, we honor our graduates of confirmation, right? We read certain books of the Bible, right? Shavuot, right? Clearly, we read the book of Ruth, uh, you know, about the, you know, Judaism's first convert. And we bring all of this in, the threshing floor and, and, and Ruth and just all the beautiful traditions that we bring into it. We always try and go back uh, to that moment within our history. Dude, you know what happens in the church is that Pentecost comes a time for our confirmants to be confirmed. So many times in our calendar, it lines up where the bishop will show up near or on Pentecost and lay his or her hands upon our confirmants for them to be received 
fully to confirm their faith that they, you know, that their baptism was receiving uh, uh, the love and the spirit of, of God, but then it's confirmed all around the same time. So a, another correlation between the two. So let's go back to what you said, this, this gifting of the law, you celebrate the gifting of the law that happens um, on, on Shavuot slash Pentecost. Um, so for the church, that if you look at it, you have a bunch of people who are these, uh, at that time, for lack of a better term, Jews for Jesus, right? And they're all flocking to Jerusalem. Um, in first century Palestine. So they're flocking to Jerusalem. They're all there. And, and then they're there for the Jewish festival. And then this is when the spirit, they're all there for the law, to celebrate the law has been given to us. But then the spirit of God comes upon them. And what they see in scripture says, is that it's tongues of fire, tongues of fire of coming down upon them. And all of these people from all these different countries, because they're there for this major festival, a Jewish festival, um, start speaking each other's languages. So you have Parthenons uh, speaking Median or whatever the different languages are. And, and they're speaking all these different languages and they all understand it too, which is mind blowing to everyone. And so someone even says, it's scripture says, what are these people? Why are they drunk? It's only 9 a.m. So it's not even happy hour. So I guess no one would have said that if they were doing that at 5 p.m. They would have been like, oh, that's normal. They're just hammered. But since it's 9 a.m., I guess the fact that you don't get hammered at 9 a.m., there's no day drinking. So they'd be like, what's going on here? And then Peter says, these people are not drunk. This is the spirit of God. And it becomes this unifying thing of saying, um, this is the new law, the new law that's within us. It's the spirit of God that unites us all. Because before the law would unite everyone. Would you say that as a, as a rabbi, the, the law unites us? So, so now on that day that, we, that, that the, the law has been gifted to the Jewish people, and, and now it's like the spirit says, okay, now the law is within you. You live into the law. Let it move through you. It's a living, breathing, uh, uh, spiritual substance. The one that you saw in Jesus is now within you. Um, and you will unite you all, even though you're from different tribes, different colors, you look differently, act differently, um, have different demographics. This is something we still haven't gotten right in our world, <laughs> but we're still trying because as we know, Sundays can still be the most segregated uh, time of the week. Um, but that's the background. And it kind of makes sense that why God would choose this day for the Christian uh, faith, for us to receive and see the law in a new way. Um, but then also, what would be the perfect day for this to happen? Well, Shavuot would be perfect because you're attracting all of these Jews from all over the map. Um, on this day. And then so therefore the day of Pentecost becomes also a, a Christian, has, has, has a Christian ring to it now. Mm. Um, but like you said, with some Jewish circles don't celebrate every much Shavuot. Yeah, not every Christian circle though is dancing around um, on May 23rd. They won't be having a huge celebration. I don't think like over at Christ Fellowship, our producer, I mean, if, well, uh, if he could leave us a comment or jump on here, I don't think they do anything for Pentecost, right? So it's only for certain, I think, liturgical and historic traditions. But um, yeah, man. So, okay. So let's, so, so now we got the background, we got the context. Uh, and now I'm curious, this always begs the question for the church. This is where you get the whole speaking in tongues thing. You know, so if you go to, if you go to a Pentecostal church, so if we get pastor Gore out here, pastor Jerry Gore from the Pentecostal church of God in Christ and Stewart, they speak in tongues. Uh, it's all about the Holy spirit. It's a big thing for Christians that the movement of the Holy Spirit through you, and then when you release and let go to the Holy Spirit, supernatural things can happen. There's divine healings. You speak in tongues, glossolalia, blah, blah, blah. When you hear about Christians during services, all of a sudden being in a spiritual state 
and start speaking a language that they don't know. And then having someone in that same church being able to translate it. And none of them speak those languages. Is there any correlation to that in any kind of Jewish tradition of the spirit of God working through us so we start speaking different languages? Do, 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 so my, my gut reaction says no. is thinking. Um, uh, my gut reaction says no, because you know our services are very structured in and of itself. Um, you know, the speaking in tongues, you know, we understand, especially in Jewish tradition, that tells us that God speaks every language and every facet on the planet, right? And God also tells us in some way, speak in the vernacular that you're most accustomed to, right? So our prayers can be in English, our prayers can be in Hebrew, you know, ways of connecting in some way. I think the spirit, when we look at God as an entity, the spirit of God I think is that emotional kind of spiritual connection that we make that we connect in some way with God, with our community, with our fellow human beings, uh, and also most importantly with ourselves. So I think the spirit is also internal. It is um, um, in some way a, a, a connector uh, of us to our relationships that we have with, uh, with the divine. Right, but is there any kind of entity? So, so Christians, <clears throat> well, let me, let's go back. So, so this is, Let's go to a prophet that we can we can both agree on here. Let's go to Joel 2, 28 through 32. This is what Peter, at this time, when other people are standing around him, I don't know if they were Jews or pagans or whatever, just being like, dude, what is going on with these people on this day of Pentecost? He quotes from Joel, Joel 2, 28 through 32. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit, capital S, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit, capital S, in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Uh, that's who Peter says when everyone's just like, uh, what the heck is going on? He refers to that as, as a Jew. Um, when you hear Joel's words from two, Joel 2, 28-32, what are you thinking? The, the, the end of the age? Um, I mean, I think it's 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 in some degree, as you as you said within the quote, or it's a it's a reckoning of God. I mean, it's 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 God coming forth and saying these are the things that are going to happen, and this is what's going to you know I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. I mean, I think as Jews we interpret that as um, you know uh, uh, God encompassing everything. That that notion that God is anywhere and everywhere, um, as well as in some way, look, the spirit itself may the spirit go inside you. You know, we understand as Jews that we are created with Selim Elohim in God's image. So what that also means for us is that there is God in us. We need to recognize and to have the ability to um, acknowledge it in some way, right? When we do good deeds, and I know I've, I've, I've harped on this in the past, when we do good deeds, we feel great. We feel exuberant. That is the spirit of God. That is God in and of itself manifest in us right when we when we do something not only internally but externally kind of what we pour out what we give out is god in and of itself so i do believe 
you know, not in the Christian sense of, you know, the spirit uh, and another manifestation of God. We see that as uh, one in and of itself. Is that the same thing? Do you think there's a difference there? What is it? Okay, you and I, what if you and I go to Pastor Gore's church? Pastor Gore was when you did the talk back at St. Mary's Episcopal Church. You came in there and he says, well, what did Jews think about the Holy Spirit? Because that is the, that is, I mean, the Holy Trinity, it's, it's all the same. It's all one God. But that aspect of understanding God through the Holy Spirit is a big deal. It's a big deal for Pentecostals. It's a big deal for, should be for all Christmas. Uh, but do, do, if you go there and let's say, and this happens at our church, all someone starts, someone starts speaking in tongues glossalia it is a language that doesn't make any sense at all okay it's not even it's not a, it's not a language that we you and i know so the way that this, the, the works of the spirit are is that all of a sudden rabbi you and i are sitting there praying and i start speaking in a different weird and then maybe evan is there our producer and evan has been gifted with the gift of translation and he starts speaking what is being said through that if you were there present, what would you think is going on? I'd be, I think in some way I'd be a little confused. <laughs> okay. Uh, in some way, um, uh, I'd love the opportunity to just, just experience it. I mean, right? as Jews, we don't, as Jews, we don't have it because I mean, our liturgy and all of our prayers and everything is either in one of one of one of three languages. I mean, for us in North America, right, there's translation, it's in English. We also have Hebrew as the main staple. So clearly if we're speaking in tongues, we're speaking in Hebrew, we're familiar and well-versed in the language to be able to translate. And then of course, there is some parts of our service, largely our, when we remember our, our loved ones, we have a prayer that we call the Kaddish. Now the Kaddish is not written in Hebrew, it's written in Aramaic. So now we're talking Hebrew, Aramaic, and English. You're speaking in tongues, dude. You guys are a Pentecostal. We're going to go back to Greek or Latin in our services. So, I mean, in some way, yeah, the speaking in tongues with Hebrew or Aramaic, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd be comfortable with it. But, you know, if I were in, in, in your church or, uh, you know, any other respective church and, you know, people started speaking in Greek and ancient Greek or Latin or, you know, any other language that, that I was not well-versed in, um, I would actually think that the way that one would do that and be able to express it would be quite, uh, actually quite a sight. I'd love to see it. Right. All right, cool. All right, y'all. So listen, uh, do you guys have a good Pentecostal moment that you would love to call in and share with us? Give us a shout here. Uh, this is a priest and a rabbi radio show, 772-220-9788. And when you call our wonderful producer, Evan789, will pick up and uh, get you on hold. We'd love to hear about your Pentecostal moment so we can share what that, what that looks like and then see what a priest and a rabbi think. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, listen from the people who make the show responsible. Some wonderful folks out there who believe in interfaith ministry. And we're going to hear from them and then we're going to come back and have part two of uh, what is Pentecost, having Pentecostal moments for Jews and for Christians right here on The Priest and the Rabbi.
Hey everyone, it's Evan Nine, producer of A Priest and a Rabbi. Thank you for tuning in and being part of this community. We love developing new partnerships with this podcast to help further the interfaith movement. To join us, please email Father Christian at yourfavoritechristian at gmail.com. You can have an advertisement right here on this podcast, which is currently heard across the USA and in 34 other countries. Thanks for being here, and do not forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Now back to A Priest and a Rabbi. Welcome back to the award-winning Priest and a Rabbi radio show with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin. Let's get ready for the second half of the show. You know, I kind of wish, welcome back everyone, this is uh, Father Christian, uh, and next to me is the ever-dashing uh, Rabbi Durbin, um, not the most eligible bachelor anymore uh, as of 15 years ago or something like that. So, but uh, I wish that we would come back to our show and Todd would have said, this is Todd Newton. Emmy award-winning game show host uh, coming back to you with the second part of a priest and a rabbi and just to show off that we know an Emmy award-winning host you know? ask him to just re-record it I know because our faith tells us that when we can name drop we should name drop let's let's do it so um but anyway everyone that was Todd Newton who is uh, a friend of the show and uh who was on the show about two three episodes ago so just a reminder everyone that we are a podcast and you can always go on a priest and a rabbi uh, you go to a priest and a rabbi dot podbean.com and you hear all the shows do. you tell we, me we what should, should we do of the 138 some odd episodes that we've done to grab all of our guests to whom we've brought on in the last two and a half years and just have them do like a one second thing of just saying a priest and a rabbi and just have all these guests do it where you can see a priest and a rabbi, a priest and a rabbi, a priest and a rabbi. What a great podcast. Wouldn't it be awesome to have whatever it is we have 75 guests that we've had in the last two and a half years. I, awesome. I don't, I don't think you realize you just created a Pentecostal moment on this show that we talk about Pentecost. That is Pentecost. So are you, you're asking them during the break, what does the church do to celebrate Pentecost? So at the Episcopal church, often a tradition is you have, you know, we read four pieces of scripture. So one of the pieces of scripture you have, someone gets up and starts reading and then other people start standing up in the church and start reading that same piece of scripture in their respective languages. And it, it's very cacophonous, it's very loud, but it shows this beautiful blessedness of hearing God's word in all these different languages at the same time. It's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. All these people are speaking in all these different languages, but you can understand all of them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you yourself, because the Holy Spirit is working through you, Rabbi, right now in this moment for you to create a Zoom Pentecostal moment of having people from all of the different priest and rabbi episodes all on at the same time. We're going to do that. We're going to have uh, producer 789 set that up and we'll have an episode where every single screen is just all of our different guests. Maybe we can right. get the lady, the, the lady from um, Star Parker who loved our show so much. The editor, the, the big writer for USA Today. <laughs> she did say she would come back. She said, have me yeah. back. She was, we get Star Parker. That's her I name. think all our guests said, uh, with few exceptions, that they'd love to come back. No, the guy who said Shalom. Who was the guy who just said Shalom and he just like hung up? Oh, I can't remember. That guy. He's another USA Today writer. He was just like, Shalom, and just ended. He was, he was over us. Um, so, so going back to that, that conversation we had a little bit earlier, you know, the customs, the rituals, the traditions that you guys do. Um, is there- You guys. Even, you guys. Even with, a, even with dress, 
I mean, when you address your community on Pentecost, do you wear a dress? Clothing yes. That you, yes. And what, what would that be? Well, I, I, we, the color, the color. So as you know, when you came and visited St. Mary's and you preached and you brought the word and the Holy Spirit was working through you, Rabbi, and you converted five people to Judaism. Thanks so much. Now we lost five members because of your visiting to our church. When you came, you saw that we were all in white. We were wearing white robes, white vestments, white hangings over the altar because Easter is a white time because it's a, um, it's a celebration. It's a victory. Uh, uh, but now when we get to Pentecost, it becomes red. Red becomes the color. So every Everything you saw that was white will not become red, being the power, the, it signifies the power of the Holy Spirit, because in the scripture, there's tongues of fire. It's like these tongues of God were just coming down and touching um, the people of God who are all going nuts and speaking different things. So for us, the movement of the spirit is in the church. So it's like the church is on fire. It's a, it's a glorious fire. It's a beautiful Is that fire. universal? It's universal for liturgical churches, for historical churches. So Eastern Orthodox, uh, Catholics, Episcopalians, Anglicans, you know, uh, maybe Methodists. And uh, if there's any other traditions I'm missing, please give us a call here. I mean, it is it is also fascinating, as you said, you know, just the color red. Um, you know, for Shavuot and the three pilgrim festivals, as Jews, our tradition is to wear white, right? And a sign of purity, a sign of um, uh, innocence, right? Red... Uh, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but red is also the color of passion, um, yeah. right? Uh, and does that have anything to do with it as well, or? It's, it's really just really about um, the fire that comes down and baptizes us. Because here's the other part of Pentecost. Here's the other part, Jesus said, or John the Baptist says, John the Baptist, a good Jew, right? He was hanging with your people. He said, I am baptizing you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So there's this difference of what happens with us when we receive the Holy Spirit. Baptized with water, yes, you're cleansed of your sin, but really the big deal is when you get, when you get, when you get baptized in the Spirit, which is done through Christ, and that the Spirit comes upon you. It's like the, 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 the fire of God comes upon you. And, uh, and so that's where that redness, again, is that on this day of Pentecost, we are being baptized with the Spirit. So any, any baptism, baptisms now, it's all put into one. So if- But it's interesting, the similarity, right? Like you said, Pentecost is about reaffirming or reconfirming our faith in and with God, which is exactly as Jews, right? What is confirmation? We are confirming and reaffirming our relationship and our connections to and with and for God. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so it works out, at least in, at St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, that we do confirmation and confirmation will lead directly, whether it's eight weeks, 16 weeks or whatever, leads right into Pentecost. So then the bishop will show up on Pentecost. And this is where the tradition is, the apostolic tradition of the church, that he is going to lay his hands upon our confirmants. And they receive the Holy Spirit and the sacramental act. Confirmation is a sacramental act of the church. We have seven, you know, seven of these things. So he lays his hands. And so the same spirit that Jesus Christ placed upon Peter, when he placed his hands on Peter, Peter placed it on the apostles, it succeeds all the way 
to little Johnny on the day of Pentecost when the bishop places his or her hands on his head. This movement, the spirit, the fire that is going to baptize you, that's going to, to burn your sin away, right? The fire comes upon you. Um, but one thing I want to get back to what we were talking about before, though, is that so a Pentecost is day of the spirit. There's a supernatural aspect to all this. And I think this is the leap that there's a, a friend of mine is a priest who put this on Facebook. He says, do you do you believe in supernat in the supernatural for everyone? And I was like, dude, you're a Christian. We believe that a guy just got up after three days of death and walked out of the grave, walked amongst everyone and hung out and showed him the wounds and then ascended to heaven and set down this Holy Spirit upon us all. Yeah, I believe in the supernatural. Um, but I think that's a leap that since the scientific revolution and the enlightenment that we Christians just have lost a big piece of that. Um, you see that more in the developing world and, the, and, and, and formerly known as the third world where people are more apt to really assume and be open to the supernatural because they might not have Western science, et cetera, et cetera. But they are we saying, thing. are we saying then, then the things in life that I just cannot explain, in some way, I would say the things in life that I cannot explain must be God, right? I, I do believe in the supernatural. I believe in a divine power. I believe in the you know, in, 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 in the goodness in the world, right? I believe, I, I, I'm a firm believer in God. But that, 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 that man would say then uh, the things that I can't explain are not God. The things I can? Yeah, because you said what I cannot explain is God, which the formula there might say, so the things that I can't explain is not God. That's science. So I would see it as the things I can explain. There must be something in what I'm explaining and what I'm experiencing that elevate me or open my eyes to something greater than myself. And I do see that as God, the things that I cannot explain, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, it's a difficult situation. I mean, you know, looking at the supernatural, looking at, you know, things that, um, you know, I think, as you said, right, as science came in, it put God at the center further on the periphery, yeah, right? There you go. There you go. Suddenly now it became the things that I cannot explain. I can explain by science. That's right. That's right? right. As opposed to, and, and, and it's interesting how you said in the developing world, right? They're not there yet, which I think is really interesting. Why is it in a developed world, like a developed country like here in the United States, that suddenly we've pushed religion or God to the, to the side, yeah. put science in the center, but yet at the same time, there are, I mean, millions of people who believe. I mean, it's just, it's such an interesting interplay. And, yeah, and then religion, right. religion has been pushed to the side. We're in a post-religious part in the West, whether it's from England to the States, it's been pushed to the side. We're in the developing country in the global South. It is thriving. Like it is thriving. The Christianity, I can just at least say, is thriving. And a big part of it is a Pentecostal flavor, a charismatic flavor. So the Catholic church was dying in Africa, in Latin America. And then the Pentecostal church was thriving. And then the Catholics said, we got to get with this. We got to get with the Holy Spirit. And now they're thriving. And it's a way of saying, my arm is broken or my, my friend is dying. Come, Holy Spirit, heal him or her. And they get healed. And people are like, holy cow, God is amazing. And they praise him. Um, we don't have those situations as much in the States because we just say. You use a term um, that, that I don't know is, is maybe familiar to many people. I don't know. Uh, maybe some of our listeners may be Jewish or, you know, not familiar with the term. But you said uh, Pentecostal. When you look at Pentecostal, uh, uh, Pentecostal almost said Pentecostal Judaism, Pentecostal Christianity. What does that mean? So it, so when we talk about Pentecostal, like Pente so Pastor Jerry Gore here in Stewart, 
he is a Pentecostal preacher. He is a Pentecostal church. That means the center of the work is about the Holy Spirit, which should be at any church, but particularly that means the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that supernatural movement of God. So that means like, again, glossolalia, speaking in tongues. When you go to a Pentecostal church, there could be a time where um, it's, it's really about the experiencing the movement and the spirit of God. So the music, the preaching, everything, we're gonna experience the presence of the Holy Spirit and that might lead to all of a sudden you start speaking in a language that no one understands. It's not even a, a language on earth. Is, it's it, just is a, it close to say almost like Southern Baptist? No, I mean, Southern Baptists do have Pentecostal moments, but a Pentecostal church is not Baptist by, by nature. No, okay. it's, its own, it's its own thing, but there's a Pentecostal nature. And when you talk about the day of Pentecost that you and I've been talking about. So everything we talked about on the day of Pentecost is practiced in a Pentecostal church. And you can say, you can lead that and say, that's a charismatic church. They practice the charismas, the charism of, of what we read in scripture, these great gifts. And one of them is speaking in tongues. And, and some scholars would say speaking in tongues means all of a sudden Father Christian isn't taken by the spirit and starts speaking in French. And then afterwards people are like, do you speak French? And you're like, no. Well, you were just speaking French. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That was the power of the spirit working through me. So why did I have to speak French? Did someone here speak French? Was there something the spirit was trying to talk to? Or Father Christian is so wrapped up in the song or he's preaching or he's praying over someone. Like we're praying for someone to, to get rid of the spirit of evilness in someone. And all of a sudden I start going, it is a, it's not a real language. It's not a real language. And then there's a gift of translation that someone could get through the spirit. This is all more of a Pentecostal nature. And let's say Rabbi Durbin has the gift of translation and then Rabbi Durbin in kind of a trance and kind of a spiritual state will say, listen to me church and start speaking this prophetic words as he's translating this. So it's the spirit is speaking to us. It's a very living, breathing presence of God amongst us. So you can see that if you are in a, let's say in a place, you're just, you, you're in a, uh, uh, you're in a chaotic time you're in a chaotic place, if you're in a developing country, especially where let's say you don't have healthcare, um, there's big issues going on, there's civil strife, and you or church is just praying for God to come and heal this woman, and she is healed. I mean, this happens because they all of their energy, there's no trust in science, it's all trust in the spirit. And then this woman gets up and just walks away. Um, the power of the spirit is real. And, and, and however we want to explain that, we can, but I think in the West, at least in the states, uh, mainline religions don't practice that as much because science is worn out. We pray for the doctors, we pray for the nurses. All that is good. God works through it all. I think God works through everything, um, but God also can do it without the doctors. Uh, there is the unexplainable that happens. Um, mm -hmm. The cancer just disappears, and the doctor says, "I have no idea what happened." And the lady would be like, "Well, I know what happened. I had thousands of people praying for me, and so mm -hmm. so on." Um, when that kind of stuff happens within the temple in your tradition, have you had times where you guys are praying for someone in your temple and then the miraculous happens? Um, is, has it been like, wow, that was the power of the spirit. Thanks be to God. Or wow, we're just grateful. Uh, how does that get interpreted? Well, I mean, I think, I think, and look, there are certainly times where, you know, we have members of the community where a loved one may be, you know, could be terminally ill, could be very ill, you know, what have you. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the prayers to God and there's something unexplainable, uh, you know, health for some, um, you know, uh, gets better and, you know, the survival is there and, you know, they continue on. There are things that just can't be explained. Uh, and I think that there's something there about the power of prayer and the power of a community 
coming together to say, you know, Father Anderson, I know that you have a loved one that is ill. Please be aware that as a community, we are praying for you and we are praying for your loved one. What it says to you is, I'm not alone. There is a community who cares for me and uh, stands by me. Um, and I think that there's a lot of strength there. There's a lot of hope uh, in some way. Um, so I think in some degree, have we experienced it in, in, in Jewish community? Absolutely. Um, you know, conversely, obviously, we see the, you know, the, the, the other side, too, which is that, you know, a loved one, um, you know, doesn't get better. Uh, That's, right. That's right. Uh, but will people be open to interpret the healing and be like, Rabbi, our prayers, God healed that woman? Or do they just be like, wow, that's unexplainable. We're just grateful that happened. Or will some people say, Rabbi, it was the power of prayer that healed her. I think, I think depending on how you, on an individual basis, bring God into your life. I mean, I've heard people who have said, you know, it was definitely God. There was power there. You know, I, I, I got to the point where I saw the light. God reeled me back in. You know, I see that. I've heard stories like this. Um, you know, where, where almost it's like the theodicy question of like, you know, Rabbi, can you just confirm that that was God? Well, I can't confirm it, but I can't deny it. Um, that's your experience. What a powerful experience that must have been. I think in those instances, it's not about me offering my advice or to say that it did or didn't happen. What it is, is for me to acknowledge it and to say, wow, what an experience that must have been. What was that like? I mean, most of us don't have those experiences, uh, but I think in some way, you know, I think I think the power of God and the impact that God has is only as impactful as to the degree to which I allow and give permission for myself Bingo. to bring God in. Bingo. 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 No, that's the crux, man. That is the crux. No, you're, you, that is... Absolutely on the money. <clears throat> and that and that's a, a thought that I wouldn't say keeps me up at night. But I do think I that I think a one-year-old would keep you up at night, but but fortunately he sleeps 12 hours a night, dude. I keep on looking. Well, shoot, he's starting to roll right now. I keep on looking back at the camera. Um, but that is the thought that when I experience and I see other churches and other denominations, especially in the developing world, that they, 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 there's a boundary, I think, sometimes in the West that we put around our faith and that God is not, God is not first, um, that, that the church is not first, temple's not first anymore. You know, people just do a lot of other things for sports, sports went out, you know, so you talk about what do we, what do we, I want to say it's idolized because that gets a little too much, but I do say people, a lot of people, they have the choice. And I'm not criticizing them because I'm a parent who has a kid who might start playing sports. If that tournament's on Sunday or that for you on Friday, they might, they're going to pick the tournament. You know, it's, it's few and far between where someone says, that's my day with God. That's the day I go to temple. That's the day I go to church because God is the be all and end all. And if I don't put him first, that's not good. He's always, so we're kind of past that. So I don't bring that up to criticize that, but we're past that in this country. That, that doesn't happen anymore. So as a country, we've all agreed that Friday and Sunday, not a holy day, just keep them, keep them moving, keep the stores open, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I will, because of that, I do, I do think we put God in a box that we have, we said, this is the God that we want in this box that works for me, for my beliefs. And we don't allow the unmoved mover to move us into new ways of understanding and seeing life with God a God that's so powerful, uh, that can do things like speak through a burning bush, um, that can part the Red Seas, that can speak through prophets if we choose to listen, 
uh, I don't know, we've, we've uh, the enlightenment and scientific revolution brought amazing things to our world, but also I think it also minimized the power of, 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 our, of us understanding God, like you said. But I think that that also goes back, you go back to the enlightenment, you go back to emancipation, you go back to all those things. What was it really about? It gave us freedom, but freedom at what price? If I have the freedom to ask questions that have been denied to me, or the freedom to be Jewish or Christian living in a, in a whatever you know system around the world, does that mean that if I have too much freedom, that I'm pushing God further away? Yeah, I think the Catholic Church would, for the first thousand years, and probably still. That was the big deal, man. They 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 were saying yeah, if 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 you go willy nilly and start creating your own beliefs, your own thoughts, we lose, we create heresy, and we get lost with we start creating our own gods. So the Catholic Church fought really hard to say, this is the way. Stay on here. You go this direction. You follow this guy over here. You're going to get lost. Go down it. And that's why they didn't allow people to read the Bible for so long, um, just because you had people coming up with some pretty wacky stuff. Um, but then it becomes pretty restrictive and it becomes a police force and telling people this is the only one way to follow God. Yeah, man, it's messy. It's definitely messy. Um, but uh, um, here's one thing we got you and I think about though. When you are in, how do we sum this all up? I do think that in order for me as a pastor, as a priest, as a clergy person who's leading worship, if I don't allow myself to get lost in God a little bit. It, it reminds me of when I was you know, an actor on stage or on film. It, you have to be a technician and I have to be intellectual and understand I gotta hit my mark, I gotta look into this camera, I gotta whatever, but I also have to let go and allow the art to work through me or it's gonna look like a stilted performance. It's not gonna be great. I think the same thing as a liturgist. You go in and you worship God and I have to know the right things. We have to sing the song here. I got to work over here. I got to blow the smoke this way. Do all these things that you and I do as clergy members. I also have to let go and surrender to the movement of the Holy Spirit. That makes me vulnerable, compassionate, moves me. I can't get lost in it because I'm not good as a priest. And then I'm, a, I'm in my own world. But I do have to let go to the power of the Spirit working through and talking to us through the scripture, through the sermon, through the Holy Eucharist. Um, if I stay up in my head and intellectualize it, I think I do put God in a box and I don't allow the unmoved mover to move me or the congregation. Uh, do you agree that there's a balance between allowing everything that we've used to describe the spirit? So for you, how you describe the spirit, is there a part of you when you're leading your congregation that there's a surrender you feel that there's times when you felt like oh, wow i really surrendered to something beyond my understanding that was really working through us through the scripture through the singing through the community i do i mean i think i think that those those elevated moments that we experience in our lives definitely are god i think as long as we have the ability to recognize it yeah i i, I would certainly chalk that up for them yeah. And in the times where I have been just too in my head where I'm thinking about things or now with a hybrid church, I'm worrying about the iPad and if we got the right camera angles going on. If I get too lost in that, I become a little bit of a robot. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a when you can find the balance of saying, come, Holy Spirit, move through me. And especially like through my sermon, if I don't surrender to the Holy Spirit, it's going to not be a strong sermon. I had to pray to God and say, let less of me, more of you right now. Because if it's about me, it's a prideful, egotistical, intellectualized sermon. But if I can say, God, you are everything. I am nothing. Work through this sermon. Uh, 
the sermon does elevate, it comes to a different place because it's about him. It's not about me. Um, it, it goes back to that, to that almost to that adage, uh, you know, at least in Jewish tradition that says, you know, uh, on the one hand, I am but dust and ashes. And the other that says the world was created for my sake. Well, I think you have to have that balance to recognize that it's not, the world is not just about you. You play a, a piece in a greater world but that I am just but dust and ashes, that, that mm. there is something bigger than ourselves being God. From dust to dust, from ashes you came and ashes you shall return. Um, well, this is beautiful. All right, my friend. So uh, listen up, man. Um, we are going to be here. We believe in interfaith ministry. Uh, Rabbi Durbin and I will be doing a lunch and learn. So if you are a Folks from Martin County, if you're listening to this radio show, if you are local, uh, stay tuned for putting that together. Uh, Rabbi Durbin coming to St. Mary's Episcopal Church uh, just three three weeks ago about was a big hit. People are asking nonstop, when can we learn more from the rabbi? They have big questions for the rabbi. They want to understand the Jewish take on A, B, or C. I think it allows us to become more ingrained in what we believe and why we believe it, uh, but out of respect and love for one another. Um, so stay tuned for that. And if you want to hear any of those sermons, you can go to the St. Mary's Episcopal Church website or to our Facebook page and YouTube and look at and hear Rabbi Durbin, bring in the holy word. Well, Rabbi Durbin, we didn't reach our goal today, which was for you to convert me to Judaism. Um, but next week, um, I will give a shot, try to convert you to Christianity. Um, these are all jokes, but uh, um, uh, we have so much, uh, we, we become better clergy members when we truly just trust each other and learn about each other with an openness of heart and mind and soul and not trying to convert each other. Just say, let's learn, let's grow, and let's love our Lord together. Um, so I'm very grateful for the show and grateful for for you putting up with my antics. Absolutely. All right, my friends, that wraps up another episode. You can catch every episode right on a priest and a rabbi.podbean.com. A priest and a rabbi.podbean.com. Go there right now, subscribe, um, and jump on, or any place where you get your podcast. Go look up a priest and a rabbi so you can look at other 136 episodes. Search for a topic you like. We've covered so much, and we love having you here um, from. Father Christian to Rabbi Durbin, God bless you, shalom, and we'll see you next Friday here at 9 a.m. Eastern on A Priest and a Rabbi. Peace.